This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome into the Baird Inn. I'm Matt Workman. I'm, as always, I'm joined by Joe Goodman. Joe, how are you doing? I am doing stupendous, Matt. It is a wonderful Sunday evening. We just wrapped up watching the first episode of the new Game of Thrones series, House of the Dragon. So we'll be talking about that tonight. I'm super excited, very interested in what happened there. But more importantly, we have an extremely special guest on the pod tonight. I mean, I I don't know how we got him on. He's he's probably one of the most fav- famous people in the entire world. Um, I, I multi Grammy award winning artist, absolutely. Um, huge super fan of the Toronto Raptors. Everybody, welcome to Drake. Uh, Joe, I I've got bad news. I know that um, you might not be able to see my video. Um, but I think you're thinking of Drake the rat. We don't look anything alike. Actually, it's kind of weird. We're actually first cousins. That's the rapper, though. I'm Drake Toll from I just do some Baylor stuff. Oh, you're not the one from from what was it, Degrassi? Yeah, no, I'm very that's, upset right now. I think you're thinking of Neil Degrassi Tyson, who's also not me. You're kind <laughs> yeah, you're a little mixed up there. So sorry no, I can't deliver. I think he's uh, thinking of Mike Tyson, the uh, former boxer. Oh, that's Mike the Tiger. He's the LSU oh. mascot, but I see where you guys are trying to I see where you're coming from. Okay. Okay. Well, I know I've heard your voice before then. What are you from? Uh, well, uh, ESPN mostly. Um, you may hear me on Monday Night Football. I'm their play-by-play guy. Not really a big guy. I try not to brag about it. So it could be that. Uh, a lot of people know me from that commercial. Um, the one about roofing. That's me. I know. I know. Just grew <laughs> up. So uh, pleasure to does, be here. I'm does- just, does China Spring play on Monday nights? Um, they do not. They only play on Fridays. Hello, Texas. Yeehaw. <laughs> that would be great. It's uh, for those of you who don't know, we have Locked On Baylor host Drake C. Toll, uh, Twitter uh, Baylor Twitter extraordinaire, play by play of the China uh, China Spring. Oh, you're gonna have to remind me of what their mascot is. Go uh, Cougs. Think cougar. like women older. Not how old. What, what do you define a cougar as? Uh, over 35 probably sure yeah i think women over 35 there's your hint yeah there you go yeah and and you texas though it's like texas you're either a bulldog or a cougar 
Hey, <laughs> true. Or an eagle. Every or an eagle. Then. Or an eagle. Yeah. Um, but you also spent the summer doing something extremely interesting. Yeah, dude. I uh, I showered way more than I usually shower. It's usually once a week. This summer was like five days a week. Um, when I wasn't showering, I was a play-by-play guy for the Hyannis Harbor Hawks on Cape Cod. So any of the Massachusettsans out there that are listening, the the mass holes, as they so well know them, uh, hello to all of you. Pleasure having you. <laughs> Not sure why you rolled into this Baylor podcast, but thanks for being here. Uh, so yeah. Probably had a great your summer. sweet uh, stash. That's why. Yeah, with the with the kind of the goatee. That's what I hear the women love nowadays. So I'm testing it out. My girlfriend likes it, and that's all that she hates the shirt but loves the stash. She it's, you only get <laughs> you beggars can't be choosers. The the main thing I want to I want to ask you before we dive into like the the structure. Like Matt has no idea I'm going to ask you this, but you were, you were in the Cape Cod League. You worked that all summer. How close was the movie Summer Catch? To real life, were you around Jessica Biel wow. and Freddie Prince Jr. the whole time? This is a yeah. deep cut from like- Freddie Prince Jr. is is one of the worst actors of all time. Um, so luckily I avoided him. That movie's also terrible. I tried to I watched half of it while on Cape Cod and was like, I can't get through this. The only thing from that movie that was realistic, he comes in. The coach of the Chatham Anglers comes into the dugout the first game and goes, "Hey, so and so." How's your arm feeling? Oh, coach, I'm ready to go. I can do it. And he's like, all right, here's the 50-50 bucket. And he goes and does the 50-50 raffle. It's the same thing. Get on Cape Cod. You go in the dugout. The coach is like, all right, who feels good? And one of the pitchers is like, me, coach, me. And he gives him the 50-50 raffle, and he walks through the crowd for the next hour (laughs) collecting money. True story. That's the only thing that I like from that movie. Everything else is complete BS. Fair enough, fair enough. Sir, I will not not let you. I will not let y'all disparage the name of Matthew Lillard. And Wilmer yeah. Valderrama were oh, also in that film. Right. Yeah. Well, we can disparage Wilmer Valderrama. He, it turns out he's not like the coolest dude in the world. But yeah, I forgot Matthew Lillard's in that movie. I'm not up on Wilmer Scooby-Doo, Valderrama. Scream. Lillard and Prince Jr., they go together in in all, no matter the movie. Also, I mean, Dr. Cox, Murphy? God, Dr., Dr. Cox from Scrubs is the scout that gives him a contract at the end. Huge. What do you what do you know? I did I wasn't I wasn't expecting this, but I'm getting a whole summer catch lesson right now. The Chatham Anglers were also bad, by the way. They did not make the playoffs. They actually won less games than anyone else. So we called it their get this summer drop. Ah. <laughs> yeah, they were bad. That's good. That's good. As a dad, I enjoy that joke. I'm yeah. sure. Matt Anytime does. they made an error, you know we had to go there. <laughs> All right, Matt, take us away. So back on track. We talked about last week about the uh, the coaches poll and where Baylor was slotted there. The and we kind of touched on that the AP poll was going to come out this past Monday, which it did, and the Baylor Bears are slotted at the exact same spot, number ten, with just a little bit of I think it's about the same with uh, I think Oklahoma State was a little bit lower. I have it pulled up here. The AP poll. So yeah, so Baylor was ten, Oklahoma nine, and then Oklahoma State fell in lower at twelve. So it's right about pretty close to on par with what was going on with the uh, the coaches poll. I'm curious to get both of your thoughts about having Baylor be both 10 on both polls heading into the season. Uh, it's just a couple weeks away. Drake, I know you have you have an, uh, maybe even a unique opinion on being ranked high to start the year compared to not being ranked. 
Yeah, I would much rather be the the team that comes out of nowhere. That's the big story. If the number 10 team in the country goes 10 and 2, congrats. You were the number 10 team in the country. You were supposed to do that. But if TCU this season goes 9 and 3 or 10 and 2, they become the darlings of college football. So, if Baylor out of nowhere, like last year, wins a Sugar Bowl and goes 12 and 2, you are the darlings of college football. Why does Dave Aranda get so much publicity? This whole team top to bottom cuz they were so good when they weren't supposed to be. It wasn't the natural progression. When you're number 10, you're expected to be that good. You don't get to be the underdog in any of these games. Oh, number 10 Baylor went on the road to Morgantown and won. Does Baylor fans, that means a lot. To the rest of college football, they see that and they go, oh, yeah, yes, you were supposed to do that. It takes a lot of luster out of the wins from the national level. I, I don't like that part of it. I love Baylor being an underdog because they've always been, even when the, in the Bryles era, it was like if Baylor won a big game, their defense sucked so bad that it was still cool they won a big game even if they were supposed to. Now the team's like actually genuinely good compared to other big programs, and I'm not sure if I know how to feel. Still great being top 10, though, Joe. I know that you're excited at least for that. Yeah, like be, as a fan, it's it's a bragging point, right? Like Huge. I'm in the top 10 and Texas isn't, uh, you know, the the people that I work with that went to Texas. Funny, funny story. Just quick thing. Uh, I had a work event on Friday and the place we were at was playing the Texas Kansas game from last year. And they accused me oh. of having that put on. Um, <laughs> but it was oh, it's beautiful. But it's nice being top 10. But I don't disagree with you. I One of the things that I also worry about is the expectations that we set for ourselves internally. As you become more and more successful, that becomes your you know, bar of success. I think an eight-win season is a great season. I worry that if we lost four games this year because we started out in the top 10, we're going to see fans sour on this team for some reason. When we can accept that eight and four is great if that turned out to be what our record was. Um, so, yeah, I... I like coming from behind better than I like being a front runner, but I'll enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, my main thing was we talked about it last week was, you know, in the coaches poll, the, the BYU wasn't in the top 25. They were receiving votes. I think they're somewhere around 27 in the AP poll, which is what everyone's going to use as far as like matchups early on in the season. They are in the top 25. Presumably they're going to, I think they have, I forget who they have starting off, but it's, it's a cupcake type of game. So you presumably it sets up well for Baylor in week two to have a top 25 matchup with BYU because we'll get into Baylor's schedule later, but I don't foresee any huge upsets between those two teams and their opponents. So it does set that up to have a, a, a premier matchup, a top 25 matchup, you know, in week two of the season. Just so you know, Matt, uh, BYU starts the season off against Gary Bohannon in South Florida. I stick by what I said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree. I it, Like, we talked a little bit about this last week, Matt, that preseason rankings are stupid. Um, yeah, for sure. Because they're going to, it's going to be so different. And it's the same thing as the coaches poll. You know, Drake, we're going to sit here and half the top 10 is not even going to be in the top 25. Yeah, I had a conversation this week with John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated. A great content he's put out about Baylor in the last couple of weeks. Paul Feinbaum comes out on his show and goes, the AP poll is the stupidest thing that's ever existed. Paul, it's all you've been talking about for the past four days. So it may be the stupidest thing ever, but boy, does it give us all something to talk about. The talking Absolutely. heads. That's really what it's built for. It's for fans to be excited, the talking heads to get to talk more about it, whether you got snubbed or you're ranked high. But for the players, it, for Dave Aranda, doesn't matter. I wrote a piece this week. 
Dave Aranda, Baylor football, they didn't release a thing. Nothing on social media that said top 10. Nothing preseason this, preseason that. Oklahoma, first thing on their Twitter. We're number nine on the AP poll. Job not finished, whatever, whatever, but they still posted it. Baylor said, oh, I don't care. We're just going to go win football games. And that's the mentality you have to have to stay as a team that's a newcomer in college football and still needs to build that base. You just can't pay too much attention to that. It can't mean anything to you. I don't know if you guys caught this, and I can't remember if it was this week or the week before, but on three, the the recruiting and college football evaluation. J.D. Piquel. They they put out their rankings for defensive and offensive lines, and Baylor was ranked in the top three in both. Eric Mateos, our offensive line coach, quote tweeted the offensive line ranking and just said, poison. Poison. Mm. That's huge. How many teams out there? Look at Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, who lost the Sugar Bowl last season, by the way. Every time Big Game Boomer posts something, shout out to that guy, who I really like, genuinely enjoy. He's a PR genius. But Lane Kiffin retweets it and is like, oh, look at us, you know, top five on a random college football fans, top 50 rankings of best hot dogs inside of a football stadium. Dave Aranda, the president tomorrow could call him like, Mr. Aranda, you're my preseason national champion. I think Dave probably hangs up the phone. He couldn't give two craps and not even somehow beautifully. It's why this team's so good. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw there was an article that dropped on ESPN today, speaking of Orlando, where great article where I was just like, you've got Dylan Doyle in there quoting Plato's Republic. You've got Dennis Johnson, the defensive line coach, talking about how he and Aranda had a conversation breaking down the the philosophical meanings behind the Christopher Nolan Batman series. Yeah. And that's on this podcast. It's like right up our alley where we spend the majority (laughs) of our time talking about Star Wars. And then a little bit of time talking about Baylor sports. Oh, that's good. Uh, I I just, yeah, that in total to me says way more than the top 25. Maybe maybe there are Baylor fans that think differently because it is so monumental over the course of history in BU football, but it means way more to me that Dave Aranda and Dylan Doyle are quoting Socrates than it does that Baylor's 10 in the preseason poll. You, you get top 10 everywhere in America at some point in a 50-year span, unless you're at Kansas. Oh, oh, seven. See, everywhere in America. But at Baylor, it means more to me that you're quoting Plato or Socrates or whoever. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Now, besides the, uh, you know, humanities and the uh, philosophy studies that are going on behind the scenes this fall, Matt, do we have any news that you've had popping up that you're interested out of camp as we get closer and closer to the first game of the year? I mean, for me, like fall camp, I think it wrapped on Friday as far as like the official like fall camp practices kind of moving into like their normal schedule school starting as Drake will attest school is starting at oh, Baylor. Yeah. And so they're going into, I think um, Aranda talked to the meeting. He talked about, you know, they're kind of going into like academic mode school starting. So it's going to kind of change the, the whole schedule of the football team. But as far as fall camp goes, I think the biggest thing for me was really the, the really the wide receivers, because I think, we pre kind of know what Blake Shapin is for the most part. You know, that was a big question mark, but as far as like, he named him, how's he going to look? Uh, was this the right decision? All those like questions that people had, but I think through everything you've heard or seen in, in clips, it looks like, you know, what we all expected it to look like the wide receiver room was the biggest question mark because mm-hmm. they're all young guys. There's no one who's really, I mean, I guess you could say um, Gavin Holmes hasn't played a lot, He's been here a long time, hasn't played a lot. And you could kind of say the same thing for the wide receiver group as well. But if you have Squirrel there, who's been here a long time, 
hasn't played a lot, but has a lot of uh, time at Baylor. And I think they've kind of really solidified, or at least the wide receiver, I mean, running back room, as far as you kind of know what your 1A and 1B is going into the season. Wide receivers are still kind of uh, up in the air as far as who's going to step up and be your one, two, three guys. Yeah. Drake, what about you? Anything that you've heard about over the last couple of weeks that's really popping out? Or are you just really excited to see what the team looks like week one? Yeah, the one thing, I, I would have said no a couple of days ago, but I started listening to these player interviews. I'm not the biggest press conference guy in that I, I can't, I struggle to go back and listen to these clips all the way through just because it's the same old, same old. Are you excited for the season? Yes. And then they keep asking questions like that. But I was, it stopped me when Gabe Hall, who's not getting a lot of publicity in comparison to Jackson Player and Siaki Ika, which makes sense to me. Gabe Hall, the athletic, they come out and name him the biggest freak on Baylor's yeah. roster. He is, in my mind, the third best defensive player on Baylor's team, if that. And it's just because of how good Jackson player Siaki Ika are. He comes into the press conference after receiving that award, and somebody asks him a question about it. And what he says, he says, this year's defense is different. The second I heard that, I was like, that's weird. It doesn't need to be. Last year was so good. You don't usually expect guys to say, this year's different. But he goes on to explain that, this team's chemistry, he said, is so much better than last year's. That blows my mind. This guy is talking about how much tighter knit the defense is this offseason they were last year with Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie. No knock to those guys. But the fact that this group has been able to build not just what they had last season, but something more, that's not fathomable. I don't have the capacity to do much in my brain as it is. So that goes way above me. I, I was shocked by that. And, and again, that is, that, that's the stuff that gets me most excited for this football season. Yeah, I think maybe what you can see there is when you have Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie on the field, you, you've got a fallback plan. Yeah. You know, you, you know if you fail, one of those guys is going to be near the football. It's just, just what they're wired to do. And when you remove that from the equation, that might bring this group tighter together where you say mm -hmm. like, hey, we had some dogs last year. That, that protected us. Now our big guys are up in the trenches. The ball's going to go behind them. We got to be, we got to be ready. You know, Gabe Hall, especially like I got to be rushing the passer. You know, if they're, if these guys are getting double teams in the middle then I got to be beating my guy to go sack the quarterback. Yeah. Um, I, I think I agree with you, Matt. One of the biggest things that I saw uh, just watching those same player interviews was listening to Dura Randa talk about Dallas Baker and the wide receiver room yeah. and how he, he referred to, Everyone in that receiver room knows they're loved, which I, we talk about how Aranda's so different. Like I have never heard a football coach, not a college football coach, a high school, a peewee NFL talk about, I think, you know, the, the most important thing is that he knows bringing Dallas Baker in to be the wide receivers coach that all the receivers know that they're loved. And then he brought up that. I, I think it was uh, Hal Presley set a personal record for his GPA in the spring. And then once that happened, Aranda noticed that he took his game a step further and brought up how he's noticed throughout his career that when you see a kid put it together on the academic side, that's when you start to see them also start putting it together on the athletic side. And I'm just, this is a, this is a wide receiver room that's basically brand new. These guys have been around, but they haven't played a whole bunch. Reporters yeah. are asking you questions to, I assume, make fans feel the warm and fuzzies about how good they're going to be. And Aranda comes into it talking about how they're loved and they're doing really well in school. And I don't know why it just 
made me completely relax because that tells me that the head coach isn't worried about what they're going to do on the field. <laughs> what yeah. he's worried about is what they're doing in the classroom and how they're feeling in their lives. It's the person over player thing. Cause he doesn't have to worry about what they're doing on the field because they're going to be dogs. They're going to be beasts. And I, 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 I'm just blown away by a lot of the stuff that we've seen from Miranda the last few days. If Mike Gundy steps the podium and says, look, Plato once said, and then just goes on a spiel. <laughs> I think the world implodes. And then he ends it with our guys are loved walks off. That's it. That's how Gundy retires. Cause that would be, it's the day that he's had just some kind of weird awakening in a dream. Uh, it's, it's not normal. It is so abnormal what Dave Rand has put together. And it's tough to understand. Think about this. So Matt, you get to be around it. Uh, Joe, you get to be around it. People that aren't Baylor fans that just hear this out of Dave Aranda. Do you think they fully grasp how special Dave Aranda and this program are? Like, like Matt, do you think the average Texas A&M fan gets what's happening at Baylor right now? No, just because I don't think they put a lot of stock into it and aren't, they just don't, you know, because if you take it out of context, out of the being involved and immersed in the whole like Baylor Twitter of it all, or, you know, reading the quotes or watching the, you know, clips, like you said, you can really just, it feels like, yeah, right. You know, I, I could see like a lot of cynical college football fans who are used to the normal coach speaks and that's just coach speak. So I yeah. don't really think your average fan, if you haven't been around Dave Aranda or really sat down and listened to him talk or give an interview, you're not going to get it. Cause you're, if you're just reading words, it's just going to fall. Like that's just coach speak. Like if you hear that person over player, to us, it's like, yeah, like, he believes that. Yeah. And I think the majority of the Big 12 is more acutely aware, aware of it today than they were at this time last year. Um, because I have heard Texas Tech, Iowa State, Oklahoma State yeah. fans compare him to like Phil Jackson, for example, just the Zen master kind of style. We've seen the pictures passed around Twitter of him getting the Gatorade bath and just having the blank stoic face. I don't think it's there, Drake, fully where everybody appreciate it, appreciates it, but I think it's getting closer and closer. And the more that he wins and the more that Baylor stays in the national spotlight and he's this unique character, because let's be honest, the media kind of sees him that way. He's different. He's something you can write about. So they're going to go after him as long as he stays relevant. I think more and more people are going to realize that, A, it's not Coach Speak. It's who he's really who, who he really is. And B, doing it different might actually really work, especially at a place like Baylor. Yeah, for sure. So on Baylor. We've talked about we talked about fall. We talked about Aranda, the things. Let's let's get into the meat of it. Okay. We have we have looked at every team in the Big Twelve this summer, looking at their schedule, talking about how we think we're gonna do. All of that gets thrown out of the all of that gets thrown out of the window right now. We're we're gonna look at Baylor's schedule. We're gonna talk about what we think they're going to be, how they're gonna land. We've got Drake here specifically for this because he's he's Baylor expert extraordinaire. Matt, as we've done with the others, give me what Las Vegas thinks Baylor will do this year. So I've heard a lot of people talk about it. They've thrown out seven and a half was the, I think I want to say I saw it at eight, but I'm checking right now what the current. So yeah, seven and a half is the current, according to Vegas Insider, is updated today. So, so we're going by seven and a half is the 
Vegas uh, win totals for Baylor? 7.5 games. That's Drake. You've got, you've got your life savings and you're, you're sitting at a sports book in Vegas. Who, who what, are you taking the over or the under on seven and a half on this Baylor team? Not a ceiling or a floor. Yeah. But do you think Baylor gets more or less than seven and a half? Uh, well, it depends on how many Dr. Peppers I have in my body at this point when they have the gun to my head, making me bet my life savings. But I, I, you have to go over even from an objective standpoint, you listen to guys like Josh Pate and the national media that just understand, even with this schedule, Baylor's got to win eight games. You've, you've got to win eight games. There's not a realm unless there's just a, a fallout of injuries or Baylor doesn't win eight. If the, if it's an eight, I, I may, I may think, okay, yeah, it's probably a push and lay off, but this at seven and a half, it feels too easy to me. And you'll see the odds on it too. I think the odds right now, seven and a half are at minus one fifty. So Vegas is still giving a nod to Baylor. Whereas you go and see like an Iowa state at six at minus one ten. So that's seven and a half Vegas is not completely confident in that. And I think you may see it even move to eight if it shifts at all over the course of the next 10 days going into the football season. So when I see that number, I think it's an easy over for me, but again, that's me trying to remove my bias, but if there's injuries, the away schedule, I wouldn't be entirely shocked if Baylor lands at seven and five after a couple of devastating injuries, Matt, what about you? Yeah, I uh, I agree. I'm going with the uh, the over as well. I think, like, to me, like eight and four is the the, the floor. So I think it's an easy over because in my most pessimistic, I think it's eight and four. Yeah. So that would that would lead me to believe that if you're telling me seven and a half, well, then all day I'm putting money on the over. See, my floor is lower. I, 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 when I talked to Drake last week on the locked on pod, I, I said, my floor for this team is six and six. And I, and I can look at the schedule and I can find with injuries and other stuff going wrong and the, and the away slate that we have, I could, I could buy into six losses, but like we've done with every other team, I'm not worried about like what I could logically see the worst thing happen to them. What do I think is going to happen to them? Can I find enough wins to win the bet in the schedule? And I can't, I can look at this and there are eight games that I see that I'm like, I would not, I, I, I would more than happily bet for Baylor to win the money line on these games eight times. I'm not worried. So that's an eight and four team. Boom. There you go. And I'm taking the over on it. Yeah. I've have real money on the over at eight. <laughs> Caesar Sportsbook. So I got real, real well, you live, you live in a state where that's still, legal. yeah, I still, it's, it's legal where i'm at so hey it's uh, legal for my bookie in puerto rico all you gotta do is find <laughs> that middleman all you gotta do i'm not gonna lie it gambling being illegal in texas is probably good like it's probably a very good thing for me i don't i don't ever I, i've never been tempted i don't have to worry about it, it never comes up and it's great for oklahoma that it's great for the border because those <laughs> folks not saying there's any specific fraternities that like to go to the casinos but <laughs> I, I may have made a trip up to uh, Windstar uh, a uh, time or two during my during my years in Waco. It was your it's that jo- I see. I didn't know it was that Joe Goodman that had signed it, had signed the sidewalk. Uh, yeah, awesome. yeah. It, you know, when when you lose as much as I did, they put you a little star out there. Yeah, they want you to come back. 
Um, all right. Well, real quick, let's run through this schedule. Let's find let's find okay. these eight wins and okay. let, let's see if we, if we can agree on that. Week one, Albany, Great Danes coming to Waco. Do we all see this as a win? Oh yeah, they're they're not a good FCS team. Yeah, uh, definitely a win. But also, shout out to Greg Atuso, head coach of Albany Great Danes. Great man, still going to lose. Yeah, I'm. It's just you know, I'm glad they're coming down. I hope they get to visit Magnolia. Maybe go to the Dr Pepper Museum. You know, get to taste drink some of lots old. of water, fellas. Yeah. please. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be hot. It's, uh, hotels, to... great places to eat. Get some barbecue while you're down here. Yeah. Sorry, Albany. It's going to be a long flight. Yeah. Now, cash, cash talk, that check. Yeah, talking about long flights, Baylor turns around the next week, takes off, goes to Provo, Drake. What do you think happens in this one? I have gone back and forth. This was actually a lock loss for me for a long time, just because it's such a tough road game. And I just don't see Baylor being that good on the road. But the last time Baylor played in Provo, you know who BYU's quarterback was? Not Joe Montana, but close. <sighs> That's your hint. What, Ty Detmer? Ty Detmer. No, no, no. Right before him. This guy played for the 49ers. Steve Young? Post- it was Steve Young. Oh, yeah. there we go. Steve Young, Baylor in Provo, 1983, the year before BYU goes in that insane run. Baylor wins in Provo. If history repeats itself, there's literally one game to base it off of, then Baylor wins the game. I, I see Baylor winning now because of the defensive and offensive lines. That is a class that BYU is not ready for. They are just not ready for that. They could win the game if the lines were comparable because I think the skill positions really are. I see Baylor and wide receivers and BYU as being pretty pretty similar, but up front it's gonna be it's gonna be domination. So Baylor sneaks by BYU like 31-24 in Provo. I'm gonna give Baylor the nod here and, and give him a win. I agree with you. I think it's the the two lines and the big thing that I think you see a lot of the time with FBS versus those just right under or sorry, power five versus the, those just right under power five conference teams is depth. And in a place like Provo high altitude early in the season, going to test your conditioning, having the depth that we have compared to the depth that BYU has, I think is going to be really, really a big deal as we rotate guys in and out. I think it'll be a four quarter game, but Baylor takes it in the end. Matt, what about you? All I heard Drake say was Baylor's undefeated in Provo Baylor all the way. There we go. That was it. All right, so we take we we get that victory in the beautiful mountain mountain stadium in Provo. We come back home and we face the Texas State Bobcats. Matt, what do you think happens in this one? Uh, I definitely think uh, we're going to have better videography for sure. Uh, yeah, I think um, we should. Yeah, so they've actually Fox asked Sports me. One. They've asked me to record it on my iPhone, and I still think it's going to be better. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing. The, are you going to Are you going to use that microphone as well? Because that would be better too. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing the broadcast. Thank you to everyone that to get me to this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, last year's game was filmed on a camcorder from 1989. I think it was a game from 1989 as well. <laughs> um, no, I think this is. A, they're not a good team. So it, forget, I mean, whatever ha- you saw happen last year, uh, Texas State isn't a good team, and it's going to be a big Baylor win. Not even close. Drake? So I'm going to go, not the opposite exactly. Baylor's going to win this game, but they're going to be up by 7 or 10 at halftime. You're going to have gone to Provo the week before, be riding that high after the big game you needed to get past, go to a Texas State team you struggled against a lot last season, start slow, win by three scores at the least in the end. I 
Drake, you stole my thunder a little bit there because I was going to say very something similar. They're going to come back from Provo. That's a high emotional game on the road. You come back home. And I think another factor in this one is it's an 11 a.m. kick on September 17th. It's going to be 120 degrees on kickoff on that. And it's just going to get hotter and hotter throughout the first half. I think I think both teams, it's going to be a slog of a game. You're going to see a few turnovers. You might see a bunch of cramping, some pulled hamstrings here and there. This is one of those games where you want to make sure you kind of get out healthy. But again, depth is going to be a huge factor in this game. As we get into the third and fourth, I think I think you're right, Drake. It'll be a seven, 10-point halftime game. Baylor ends up winning by 21 to 28 at the end. All right. Then, man, it doesn't get any easier. That's the thing when you look at the yeah. schedule. You get back on a plane, and luckily, you play this game in September and not in November. Fly to Ames, Iowa, and you're going to be facing a fired-up Iowa State team who may or may not be coming off of a major rivalry win for the first time in I don't know how long. But tough game. We haven't played well in Ames the last couple of times we went up there. Drake, what do you see happen in this one? It's a win. Iowa State just doesn't – they don't have it this next season. It's in in Ames, but – the crowd only goes so far in this game and Iowa state's just not very good at football. I think they finished probably seventh in the big 12. So give me Baylor all the way. I agree with you. I think, I think we're going to see Baylor go up there. It's a transition year for Iowa state. I think they're going to be not bad, but I think Iowa state's probably a six or seven win team. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there will be a little bit of a factor there in Ames, but we'll be able to overcome that. Um, Again, transition year, you're replacing Brees Hall. You're replacing Brock Purdy. You're replacing Charlie Kolar. They will have one of the most formidable players on the defensive side of the ball in Will McDonald, but one defensive end does not a win make. So Baylor wins this football game. Was that also Socrates? No, 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 no. No no Socrates. I agree with y'all. I think um, Iowa State is just, it's in a transitional year and it's just not going to be, you know, what we've seen in the past couple years. Um, so I think it's a Baylor win. Baylor win. All right. So we've all, we have all a third of the way through the regular season. We have an undefeated 4-0 Baylor team, probably at this point, top seven, if not top five at that point. So last week before we hit our bye, our nemesis from last season, m- quite possibly our nemesis moving forward in the new era of the Big 12. This might be the team that we're fighting back and forth with to be the controller and the future kind of what Oklahoma has been over the last decade. I think we might be fighting this team over the next decade for control of the conference. The Oklahoma State Cowboys come to McLean Stadium. I told Drake earlier this week or, or last week, I'm not as worried about this game because Spencer Sanders becomes the worst quarterback in the world when he plays Baylor. I think we understand how to beat them. It's at home. And I just, I think we're going to beat Oklahoma state. There's familiarity there. And I think Aranda knows what he's doing. We're going to be five and zero. Matt, what do you think? I agree. I think uh, as good as I think Oklahoma state's going to be this year, their, their losses in the defense are probably going to play right into what Baylor wants to do this year offensively so i am also i think oklahoma state tends to struggle in mclean of recent history so i think that plays into baylor's hands as well so i'm going to go with another baylor win uh, against the cowboys spencer sanders has the game of his life against baylor and only throws two picks with one fumble and oklahoma state loses yeah <laughs> i absolutely love it all right 
after Oklahoma State, though, maybe the toughest game on the schedule, the fight and buys of off week. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to got to win off week. Got to win off week. BYE, baby. I think we have a I man. You have your you have your bye week after week five, after you've already knocked out two tough road games, and it's right before a road game. I think this is one of the best spots you can have your bye week. I mean, people talk about the schedule a lot and about the road games, of course, but like piggybacking on what you're saying, you get Albany road game, tough road game. Then you get home game against Texas state tough road game. Then another, and then another home game. I think it sets up even with the, the tough road schedule. I think the way they're breaking it up, it's not like I've looked at other schedules and it's like tough game, tough game, tough game before, you know, you get to your bye, and you're kind of breaking that up with, your non-con in the the first five weeks. Okay. Now I may rebut on that a little bit as we get further, but after the bye week, we hop back on a plane and we fly to a place, which is very scary for Baylor fans. Drake, you alluded to it earlier, facing off on the road in Morgantown against West Virginia. What do you think happens here? It's a loss. Here's why it's a loss. Thursday game, I think almost helps Baylor kind of gets you out of that weird, funky, you know, playing West Virginia on a Saturday. Also, Thursday after a bye is just strange in general. So you you've get it's it's weird. It's never fun. Most guys don't like playing on Thursdays. This game is a loss because um, where season ticket holders for Baylor football are going to be the most excited and ready to use their tickets is the Kansas Jayhawks come to McLean Stadium. Does the mighty Jayhawks strike fear in your heart, Drake Toll? Uh, they do in the third quarter when they're up by seven, you think, oh my gosh, we just lost to West Virginia. Are they going to do it again against Kansas? The Kansas did that an odd amount of times last season where they either won a game. They were up on OU by like 10 in the third quarter. Uh, it's going to happen again, inevitably, because I don't think they're as bad as they have been. Baylor wins the game by 10 or 14. You escape and you think, is this Baylor team? Okay. After a loss and a weird struggle bus win going into the next week against Texas tech. Okay, so you've got a six and one. Baylor's bowl eligible for you now. Matt, Baylor's six and oh for you. Are we talking about are we talking about Texas fans pulling out receipts on us? No. This is a easy Baylor win. I I think I think Baylor wins this football game, but I think this might be our lethargic game. I think this might be our the game that we watch. We're like, what in the world are we doing? But we have like a punt return for a touchdown. The defense shows up, doesn't allow them to score at all in the second half, maybe scores a touchdown. And then we hold on and we end up winning it by 17. But as fans, we're kind of like, what in the world was that game? Uh, but I'm not worried about losing Kansas. I think they might be a little bit better in a couple of years, but they're still going to be Kansas. Uh, this is a two win team, maybe three max to me. So um, not worried about Kansas. Now, the next game, though, may strike some fear in the hearts of all three of us as Halloween weekend, October 29th, Saturday. I'm guessing this is going to be a night game. I don't know why. I just have a feeling they're going to do this to us. We're going to go to Lubbock face off against Joey McGuire and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Matt, are you afraid whatsoever of our old assistant head coach knowing what's going on and and being able to pull one over on us? Um. No, I think this is a Baylor win. It's a hard place to play, uh, playing, especially if it is at night. I mean, but I think 
things are going to be a little bit rocky in Lubbock this year, more so than the majority of Red Raider fans think. And so I think as much as I love Joey, and I think he is going to probably get things going in the right direction there, I think they're going to be – they're not going to be as formidable as maybe they will be in the future. Drake, what about you? Remember the West Virginia game where they, the Mountaineers came to Waco last season. It just wasn't ever close. Baylor was up early, up late. They dominated. Same thing in Lubbock this year. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think, I think Joey gets the ball rolling there, but it's going to be a tough year. They are not going to be a good football team. I think they're going to get punched in the mouth a lot early and it's going to be just kind of a struggle to keep going throughout the year and having those fans be excited. This game was early. Like if it was the opening of conference play, I might have a little different feeling about it, but this is later in the season. It's going to be a later home game. I think Tech's going to have multiple losses by this point. I think we might see a little bit more of a lethargic fan base. Um, And again, I just, I don't think Tech is going to be good enough to beat us yet. Not worried about it at all. Now, we all agree there. We've we've all either got Baylor at eight and zero or seven and one at this point. So we're 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 almost there, Vegas. We all yeah. of us are pretty much there. Uh, Matt and I, Matt and I have already won our bet. Drake, yeah, you're one win away. But this is where Matt, your your caveat about how the schedule kind of gets a little is easy the way it's set up. This is where it's not. We go to Lubbock, then we don't come back home. We go to Norman, Oklahoma, where we won what once ever in what 2014 by a we lot go, we go to oklahoma yeah. drake i have to know are you going to win your bet this weekend that's it it's over i hit it the over is done baylor goes to oklahoma they win the game pretty i, I don't want to say handedly brent venables has bitten off a lot more than i think he can chew already there are a lot of people who take jobs like these chad morris ask i don't think he's gonna be as bad as chad morris but they bite this off they act really confident and cocky on the front end and then it punches you in the mouth immediately tom herman style and next thing you know you're headbutting your players trying to get them fired up and you still lose i think at this point in the juncture for oklahoma they're trying to reset some things because the season's not going undefeated like they want it to and Baylor wins by 10. Oh my God. If I had never thought of that, that Brett Venables could be Oklahoma's Tom Herman. Cause it, it just makes too much sense. Oh yeah. I was looking at it more of like, it's going to be like in a, a random year, first time head coach, former defensive coordinator. If he's their Tom Herman. Oh, yeah. and that starts their entrance. Oh, and they have to go through that. They, he's their Mike Sherman. Yeah. Before, just remember how cocky Tom Herman was day yeah. one. It's like we're Texas, Bad. going in, uh, falling down in the locker room, trying to use a, a sledgehammer. Oh my gosh, that would yeah. be beautiful! That would be. be beautiful. It makes sense, it makes sense just because you, it's similar. So, like, Herman was a former staffer at Texas, that was like kind of like his dream job. He comes yeah. back there, kind of the same thing. I mean, I know Venables was spent more time in Norman, but. It had, you know, was a defensive coordinator there for uh, quite a while. But I just think too many new faces on the personnel side, plus new coaches. It's just, it's one of those first year head coach, never been a head coach type of things where I think he's going to get some OJT and it's just going to take a little bit of time to get his uh, feet under him. And it's just going to be a little bit, like I said, eight and four, whenever we did the, 
the OU preview. And then directly after that, you know, the wide receiver coach gets resigned. Um, So (laughs) uh, I think it's that things are not as calm as you would love to believe or you were led to believe uh, inside that locker room. So you, do you have a Baylor victory then? Oh, absolutely. Yes. All right. I I'm so you're, you're nine and oh, Matt, I'm joining the nine win club with you right now. I think, I think this is going to be 2014 esque where we go in there and we're just better. We are just better at football than them. And you're, I just, I want a recreation of eight years ago. I want to see Oklahoma fans boo Oklahoma at Oklahoma. That would make me so happy. And I just don't trust Jeff Levy against a Dave Aranda. Me neither. Roberts defense. I just don't. And I don't wish this upon the guy, but based on his history, it's a game. We're talking eight, nine weeks into the season now. Is Dylan Gabriel still the starting quarterback? Is he still healthy? Has he been able to survive? the full season and make it there. He has a, he has an injury history. He's a transfer. Is he, is he still the starting quarterback at Oklahoma during that week? That's, I think that's yeah. a fair question to ask. So, all right, nine, two, nine and O's one, eight and one. Finally, we get to take a breath after back-to-back road games. We come home and we face against one of the big 12 darlings, the dark horse of the year that I think a lot of people are picking. They love with their first year play caller and Colin Klein. Their transfer quarterback from Nebraska in Adrian Martinez. The Kansas State Wildcats come to McLean Stadium. Drake, tell me what happens in this game. November 12th is is nuts. Baylor and Kansas State play a night game, and that morning you see the top 10s pretty gutted, and you think, all right, this is Baylor's opportunity after the loss to West Virginia to move from the 9 or the 8 spot into a possible college football playoff position. Kansas State comes in in the top 20 as well. I think they have a really good NFL-ready team. A lot of guys, they got a lot of size. And Kansas State wins in Waco. Another game where you say, how? Why? It doesn't make a lot of sense, but Kleiman comes out there, pulls off a great year at K-State. I think they go nine and three, but one of those wins is in Waco because, again, we we can't have nice things. So it has to go wrong somewhere. And this is that game where Baylor falls in the trap of it being November 12th. There's always that one weekend where everybody loses. Baylor falls into that against Kansas State in a home game, and Baylor fans think it's the end of the world and are buying tickets to the Alamo Bowl at eight and two. Little do they know. Spoiler alert, they finish at 10 and 2, even still. But I think again, can't have nice things. They lose this one. All right. I'm gonna say I agree with you. I think that on some of the points, this is gonna be a night game. I think more than that, I think it's gonna be a wet game. I think because for whatever reason, it likes to rain when Kansas State comes to town. I feel like. Yeah, it's gonna be a night game, it's gonna be wet. This is possibly, depending on what Kansas State does, this could be a game day game, or it could be a Fox, Fox Big Saturday kind of game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they come in. I think Deuce Vaughn runs for like 200 something yards on us, but I don't think they can pass the ball worth a lick. I think Adrian Martinez has a bad day. I think our offense maybe throws a few picks too. We fumble it a little bit here and there because it's wet. It's one of those wacky games. Baylor holds on. We get it with a winning field goal at the end of it. Baylor wins by three. So we are now talking about a 10 and 0 Baylor team. Matt, do you agree with Drake? Do you agree with me? Kansas State ain't about that life. <laughs> this is a Baylor win. Baylor doesn't lose to Kansas teams since yeah, 2017. Even in Aranda's, even in Aranda's bad yep, year. That's true. So at home, while I 
I think Kansas State's going to be much improved and be a contender for one of those spots in the championship game. And I, I do love what Kleiman is doing there. Deuce Vaughn can't say enough about that kid. Uh, I just don't think they win this game. So, Baylor, dub. There we go. All right. Then, for the only time during the year, we have a back-to-back weekends where we have games in Waco. Back-to-back home games. Only time during the season. We come off of the Kansas State game. TCU, the revenge game, first year under Sonny Dykes, comes to McLean Stadium. Matt, are we 11-0? and Yes. That's all I needed to hear. Drake, you told I you kind of you spoiled it a little bit, but tell me tell me what happens against TCU. Do we win this football game or is it is it the ghost of Chandler Morris come back to haunt us? This is an 11 a.m. game. It's not warm. It's the there's always one 11 a.m. game that feels like it's 7 a.m. when you get to the stadium and you think, I just want to sleep. It is this is so much football. Get a TCU. They've had an awful season to that point. They get run out of Waco. It's not close. Baylor's upset after a loss, Kansas State, on my book, and they win this one like 42 to 14. Yeah, this is a this is a prove a point game for Eric yeah. Mateos and for Jeff Grimes because I, I think they're gonna go out there and we are going to run the ball down TCU's throat. TCU is trying to change their identity from a defensive head coach to an offensive one. I predict the TCU is going to have a horrendous defense this year as Sonny Dykes tries to install his offense, focuses more on that than they do on the defense. They let things go on that side of the ball. And I think we absolutely destroy TCU. Agree with you. I think this is going to be an 11 a.m. game. This might be like an an ESPN plus, like we get kind of screwed there or something like that. And it's going to be freezing. It's going to be a hot cocoa game at the tailgates. Um, maybe put a little, uh, it feels like an FS one game, like deep in my bones. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 This could be, I, I think I, I, I kind of agree with that. This is a, this is a Bailey's in the hot cocoa in the morning game. Yeah. Um, I will have been up since like, like no one's going to be watching it, but Baylor and TCU fans, like no one's yeah, going to yeah. see this game. Yeah. That's it. Just us, just our little group. Baylor's 11 and 0 though. So we've, we've all got this as a win. Finally, we close out the season black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, Maybe the last time we ever play in the stadium. Who knows? We head to Austin, Texas to play at Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. And I mean, who knows how good Texas is going to be this year? We've all seen this week. I think on Friday, we all probably got our laughs in as multiple of quote unquote Texas insiders had been reporting that that Hudson Card had won the job. And then we get this story that comes out that says, actually, no, it's Quinn Ewers. And it was the SID who got some message and told the Austin American statement and some at some interview with three other players. I don't know what's going on at that program. Like Texas went full Texas in their quarterback battle. And it was, you know, predictable. Yes. The story basically right now with the University of Texas is either Steve Starkeesian has the tightest lipped staff that has ever existed and they don't talk to anybody and somebody with bad information spoke to the Austin American statesman and orangebloods.com or a booster forced the hand of Steve Starkeesian to start um, Quinn Ewers. You, you choose, you choose. It has to be, in my opinion, it has to be, they want to go with Hudson Card. He was probably better in the fall. They can't. So because of that, Drake, I'm going to come to you first. 
I'm going to ask a two-part question. It's, does Baylor win this football game? How? What happens here? Does Baylor win? And who is the quarterback wearing a Longhorn helmet that starts the game against us? I, I am confident it's going to be Quinn Ewers at this point in the season. I get the popular answer for a lot of people outside of Texas that it won't be. He's not going to be a shining star. It may be a Spencer Sanders situation, but I also don't think Hudson Card is that good at football either. So I think they may even go back and forth between those guys, get to this game, and you say, who's the starter for Texas? And we don't know until that Monday where they say it's Quinn Ewers. So I'm going to go with Ewers as the starter. I, I think Baylor comes to this game and goodbye to Texas University. They win this one by at least 10 points. Baylor at this point, the juncture is number 13 ish in the country. They go 10 and two. I strongly believe I really, you know what? We'll get to big 10, big 12 championship talk. Cause you guys have Baylor in there. I'll, I'll let you find out if I do or I don't. Okay. Matt, same to you. What does Baylor do in this game? And who's the starting quarterback for Texas? Um, I think it's, I agree. I think it's, Quinn yours. I think, you know, at this point they, uh, they got to, uh, you know, dance with the boy who brought them, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's uh, Quinn yours. So, but I think I said last week that I thought a Baylor wins this game. I'm going to stick with that when we did our Texas preview and I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say Baylor's 12 and 0. boom. I predicted in our Texas preview that Baylor would go to Austin and lose this game. Right now, I have Baylor at 11-0 heading into this one. And I'm sorry to both of you, but I, I wouldn't do this podcast if I wasn't true to the things that I say. I'm lying. Baylor's going to win this football game. I don't care what I said in the Texas so preview. This is the, this is the bear den. I don't know what you expected. Baylor's going to go into there. We're going to win in Austin. It might be the last time we ever play there. I don't think Steve Sarkeesian's a good coach. To answer my own question, I agree with you guys. I think Quinn Ewers will be the starting quarterback in this game. I do think, I, I agree with you, Drake. Uh, Drake. I think that we're going to see Hudson Card at some point this year. I think Ewers is going to go out there. I think he might underperform a little bit. Then they throw Card out there, and then from everything I've been told from people that I know that are close to the Texas program that follow it, Hudson card is a practice warrior. He looks great out there in practice. The guys love practicing with him. He gets into the game and he's not good. So I think what's going to happen is viewers might start off slow. Um, I've heard that Sarkeesian's offense is pretty complex. Viewers might've had an issue kind of picking that up. And that's why card had a hand up on him from all the stuff that we were hearing coming out of Austin. So I think we might see that early on, but then when card gets in there, it's not going to be any better. So you know what? You might as well get game reps for the young guy, but I don't think Texas yeah. is going to be that great this year. Baylor wins this football game. And for the first time in our history, we are 12 and Oh Drake. Yes. What would campus look like if Baylor came back from Austin 12 and Oh, there would be snow uh, that would all be melted away by fires. Lots and lots of fire everywhere um picture the fire and then like quadruple it because there's so much the, of it imagine the dr pepper that would be flowing oh like imagine what up. would be in the dr pepper that's flowing bluebell ice cream yeah you imagine what would be floats, in that bluebell ice cream <laughs> chocolate chips it's amazing yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah, everybody's a good good baptist student um as you said last week to me drake you gotta have faith um but no, I, I running through this, this is this this is a fun exercise because my ceiling for this team is a 12 and OT. I could yeah. see it yeah. happening. You can convince me that this team could go undefeated and run the table. I don't I, to be honest with you, we've probably got a loss or two of them. 
It's it's going to happen. Expect it's with it's the way college football works. You know, as Drake, as you said, we're not allowed to have nice things. Yeah, I mean, I'm most assuredly going to be wrong because not you. Yeah, me. Um, but like uh, Dave Randall likes to say, you know, like like the Bernstein Bears, you know, old hat, new hat. You know, let's just put on that old hat and be Big Twelve champs. Come on. Mm. I like the old so, hat reference. At twelve and zero, that guarantees us a spot. In, in the Big 12 championship game in Dallas on December 3rd, the day after we play a, a big game against Gonzaga in basketball, by the way. Um, Drake, who do we play against and does Baylor win? I know what everyone's thinking. I am the Grinch. I have Baylor losing football games. Ah, Baylor still goes to the Big 12 championship because they've just lost two games in a year where they beat Oklahoma and Texas. That's how deep the Big 12 is. That's the amount of parity I think the league's going to see this year. They're going to get a, I think they get a nine and three Kansas State team. Just because, again, I do not believe Texas or Oklahoma are at the potential where they need to be. They do, They both have young head coaches, new head coaches, I should say. And so I don't foresee them being in this game. Who's next then? I don't think Oklahoma State's good enough to make it. Maybe they're even 10 and two, but a loss two conference game losses compared to Kansas state, which I believe will only have uh, only two in conference play as well. Puts KSU in the big game, Baylor in the big game, those two square off. I think Baylor gets revenge on Kansas state in true Dave Aranda fashion, Arlington. And it's beautiful. Also, no one's at the game because Kansas state fans. I've never met one. Baylor fans are going to be half the stadium and that's it. It's half full. Oh, I hope, I, I hope that last part's not true. But last year's environment was a lot of fun, even though it was 70% Oklahoma State fans. But yes. Matt, what about you? You, you, you we've got, you've got Baylor in the Big 12 title game. Yeah. Who are they playing against and what's the result? Um, I'm going to go back with Oklahoma State. I think it's Oklahoma State. I mean, I, you, I, as much as we, you know, bag on Spencer Sanders for how he plays in Baylor games, outside of Baylor games, he was very efficient. Uh, now he is good for a, a blunder, at least one blunder every game. But I think that having that six-year quarterback experience, been in that system, you know, been under Gundy at least for his whole career there, it's uh, going to speak for something. So I think even with the early loss to Baylor down the stretch, I think they have enough good wins that um, they're going to go back to the championship game. I have been back and forth with both of your picks. It's in my mind at the end of the season, it's going to be two of the three. It's going to be Baylor, Kansas state, Oklahoma state out of that group of three. That's where the two will be. I just predicted a 12 and 0 season for the Baylor bears. So that's picked one of them. I'm going to side with Drake here. I think, I think losing Jim Knowles is going to be a major impact thing for Oklahoma state. I think that Kansas State, even though they have a first-time play caller in Colin Klein, he's going to do some interesting things. I think he knows exactly what needs to be done for a quarterback like Adrian Martinez, who is most efficient when his legs are involved before his arm. I think Deuce Vaughn is the most explosive player maybe in the country, not just in the conference. He's so dangerous. And Kleiman is going to have this defense firing on all cylinders. I think I agree with you guys. This is a 9-3 and three or 10 and two Kansas state game. that's going to come into this. I think it's going to be a close, tough battle. It's, it's going to be one of those games where Kansas state never quits because the game means something. You can't run away from them in this game, but at the end of the day, 
I'm going to say this. I'm going to use it for the third time. Baylor is going to have depth that Kansas State just does not have. They're going to be able to defend against injuries that are going to occur throughout the year. They're going to be able to defend against that tiredness that happens throughout the year through the rotations that we have. We've got great leadership on the defensive end and Siaki Ika, Dylan Doyle, Al Walcott, Snacks Johnson. I think by this time, the offense is going to be clicking on all cylinders. They will have played 12 full games. Jeff Grimes has the offensive playbook completely opened up and Blake Shapin is tearing it up. Your Baylor Bears repeat as Big 12 champions are 13-0 and and for the first time make the college football playoff. There we go. And of how, course, I... How, how, how warm you. are the fuzzies I just gave all of you? Listen. You can't give me that hope. You cannot give... You can't come in here and give me that hope. It's my senior year. If that happens, I don't know what I'd do. I told you, my I graduated. I walked across the stage in December of 2011, mere days after Baylor brought home a Heisman Trophy. I believe football success happens in great Baylor Bears senior years, and you're the next one, Drake. I, I hope to bring that mojo to this team. I do have a special uh, message for, for Drake. I just got a, a text from a buddy, uh, Scott Spain-Smith. He is yeah. the general manager at uh, Heritage Creameries, he said, go have your shakes ready for you, Drake, anytime you want them. <laughs> That's glorious. If Baylor, <laughs> if Baylor goes 13-0, and 0, he better. He really better. Matt, what happened in your senior year at Baylor in football? Uh, what, year did, see. what year did you that graduate? That was uh, 2010. Are you graduating in 2010? Yes, because I took a sabbatical. So oh, 2010, that's right. Yeah, you, came, you left and came back. That's right. So 2010. Uh, it was, a, it was a good year. We went to the bowl game. Yeah, that, that was that was the you ended the bowl streak. That was yeah. when we lost to Illinois in the Texas Bowl that year. But yeah. we broke we broke the bowl streak. So hey, look all look at that, Drake. You're next in line for huge milestones. Yeah, so, who graduated in nineteen? Somebody big. Somebody big graduated in nineteen because that was a good year. I, I, I yeah. Some we don't we don't even know who they are yet. Um. All right. Well, we we've we've gotten to that point in the podcast. We've run through. Everything that has to do with Baylor, Drake, anything else that, that you wanted to just shout off the rooftops that you're that you're thinking about, that you're worried about, that you're excited about for the 2022 Baylor Bears. Baylor is good at football and Blake. Sha- I talked to some players last night, actually. Uh, Blake Shapen is also very good at fo- shape, as they call him, is very good at football. He will be not a Heisman winner, but in the conversation, at least for Big Twelve offensive offensive player of the year. I've Let me ask you a question. Someone... Oh, go ahead. Go Let me ahead. jump in here. Since you said shape, so I'm gonna show my age here. So, in the Halloween Classic, Halloween, um, they refer to Mike Myers as the shape. Do you think we could get the shape with Mike Myers masks in- incorporated into like student um, section at McLean? Um, 20 years ago, yes. 2022, Matt, you got a lot lot of explaining to do to a lot of Baylor students. You got to set them all down and really say it slow here. (laughs) And I have been told, (laughs) I have been told that games now are, are like a, a social event where what you wear almost matters as much as the outcome of the game. You're telling me, Drake, that 
students in 2022 don't know references from a film from 1978? As crazy as it sounds, yes, I am saying exactly that, Matt. I, you would be shocked, as am I. I get the references, but I could go. I've got seven roommates. I've got seven roommates right now. I can't tell you what they're doing because it's a family friendly podcast. I got seven roommates, not a okay. single one of them. They'd be just right over are their you, head. Are you serious? That movie's 44 years old. I took my hat I'll off trust your math. for that. I mean, I'm, wow. Yes. Wow. Jamie Lee Curtis is like 17. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they definitely, yeah. they've never seen, they've seen the remakes, but they've never seen the original, Matt. No. no, I, Drake, what, it, how do you feel about this, you know, the student section? I've seen some really cool videos of the freshmen that are coming in from Welcome Week this week. As, as a senior, you're going to get the opportunity to run the line one last time. You know, how, how are you feeling as this is your last foray as a student going into this? Because it's different. I'll tell you, like, having spent four or five years on campus as a student, coming back, it's not necessarily better or worse. It's just different. How are you feeling going into this being your last athletic year? Yeah, this is as connected, I think, as I'll ever be to campus. And coming to that realization, reality is kind of a tough thing, but there's no there's no way around that. Unless I come back and work for Baylor in, the, in an administration role years and years down the road, this is as close as I'll get to the heartbeat of campus. That part's really sad. Running the line for the last time, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll throw it out there. I am a Baylor line elitist in that I didn't like it that much. It just made me anxious because I knew I was going to get trampled and tear an ACL because it is like a full stampede of much more athletic people than me. So I was like, I'll stay in the back and kind of tiptoe and stuff. Uh, also, you know, working in media, you, you, you get the side of being a little more objective, a little less biased. I know both of you guys get that when you see it from a, I get to, I have to talk about this role. Then you see it from a different eye. So I don't know if I've gotten to celebrate that true, um, I've never gotten to scream and holler at a Baylor football game since I started in college. Uh, aside from one time when I got kicked out of the TCU student section, won't tell that story for a little <laughs> bit for legal reasons. Um, but, but that to me is, is what makes this year so uh, difficult not being in the middle of campus anymore. Um, so I'll miss that, but I'll, I'll definitely cherish all the games a little bit more than usual. Yeah. I, I will say it's, you have a unique perspective because you, you sit up in the press box and you, and you, you, you look at Baylor games, both as a fan and as a medium, as a media member. Um, but I will, one of my favorite things about when I went to the West Virginia game last year and I was up in the box, I sat next to Travis Roeder and yeah. he is, it was my favorite thing in the world, watching his under the table fist bumps and like, it's just, like, you know, yeah. it's like the meme of the kid in class that's like holding everything inside. Like that was Travis. Like he wanted to let it out. Um, so I do hope that you get an opportunity to maybe go down for one and just scream a little bit. I will throw out this small anecdote. Big 12 championship game. Obviously, you know, the tale it's first and goal. And, you know, Oklahoma State's going to win the game when McVeigh got that stop. I'm sitting alongside Kendall Cout, who was working his first like football game of the season for Baylor. Kendall's to my left, Sam Kahn's right behind us. We get the national media here, ESPN, the athletic, whoever, <laughs> when they got that stop on the goal line, right arm over Kendall left arm, like muzzling him. Like I've got his head locked in right here. 
obviously no one else has moved in this press box because they're all the pristine writers that are just clacking away. I grab Kendall and just just loud grunts, really loud grunts. And everybody kind of stops and looks at me. And of course, I, I like immediately let go and look around. And I was like, I pay to go here. A lot of money. Just my one moment. Sorry. And this just went right back to writing and everybody else just uh, whatever. That's the one time that I've truly gotten to let my inner Baylor fandom go. So uh, this is the last thing I'll bug you on. If you could wave Drake's magic wand and get rid of the press box rule, would you? Uh, if I could, if I could allow everyone to go nuts in the press box, I think it'd be the coolest thing. Just imagine, yeah. you know, the no, writers. The whole reason it exists is because there's going to be like opposing fans and it's like we're all adults like i if if i'm at the tcu game sitting in the press box and the tcu writer wants to get excited i don't care he deserves to think about like a jerry hill john warner huge like jumping (laughs) high five after a touchdown that's like so wholesome and then you know tcu beat writers that are shaking hands and everybody hugging i think it'd be the coolest thing make your own makeshift radio box for this year because john morris can go as crazy as he wants yeah yeah I, I was with Lariat Radio my freshman year. And when you have your own box, that double overtime Texas Tech game, I took my shirt off. <laughs> Don't tell anyone I said that. Oh, Just I between us. Going. Yeah. All right, Joe. We've talked about Baylor. Um, but there is other college football this week. This is a game week for some teams. Um. It is actually what they call to – I mean, I guess it's week zero for all intents and purposes, but it kind of leads into week one, right? Yeah, it's so the first week of football. I want to say, like, there's a lot of – a lot. There's a good chunk of games. Uh, is there anything like, – I'm a, I'm a big college football like sicko, so I'm looking at a particular game. Are there any games aside from the Power 5 games that jump off to you? Or Drake. Besides the Power oh, Five games. Easy. Not even close. I will have my eyes and pocketbook glued to North Texas and UTEP. I think that's going to be such at. a fun game. See, that's oh, I I'm cannot wait. That's going to be a great game. Yeah. Tickets as low as $22 for that game, by the way. Keep Is that one? Oh, it's in El Paso. Sweet. In Joe, El Paso. You're driving. You are yeah, driving. I'll drive. Sure. Why not? I'm sure my wife gas will be $500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit better now. That's actually one of the more expensive games of the weekend, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, man, there's not really many games that don't involve the power five at all in week. Yeah. You've got the very first game of the year with Western Kentucky hosting Austin P UNLV, Idaho state, Yukon, Utah state, the Yukon, Utah state, the sicko in me is really excited about that one because I think Utah State's just going to destroy UConn. And yeah, any I mean, that's, chance... that's my take, too. Is like, this is just going to be like a Utah State, like, complete. Yeah, it's um, getting demolish. to watch UConn play football is a blessing. They got, who's their coach now? Who's Jim cares? Mora. That, really? Jim Mora Jr. Oh, wow. Jim Mora oh. Jr. Is the head coach of UConn. Gotcha. All right, well, including the Power Five. There's there's one major game of the week, yeah. but there's power fives all, all up and down there. Drake, sure. what what are you most excited to watch? We've got kickoff starting at 11 a.m., running until 9.30 p.m. First off, are you going to be glued to your TV all day that day? Um, <clears throat> I have been in years past, and I think I will be for sure. Fact, if football is back, will I enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Oh, 
It's Nebraska Northwestern as the marquee game on a Saturday. That's all you need to know to be like, oh, this is not college football being back in its full luster. It is the the kind of crappy appetizer when you're really excited for the main course, but it's still food and you're super hungry. That's my that's the best way I can describe it. So I will eat it happily, but gosh, that last bite is going to take a lot to scarf down. There will be a good game over the over the course of this slate, but I will have to take a break at some point. It's going to be Duquesne at Florida State. That's going to be the good game. That's yeah, that's the one where you're like, holy Florida State. It's Chad Morris all over again, but at a different university. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, that could be awful. What I'm most excited about is I'm going to be lazy and drinking probably all day long and it's going to be late at night and I'm going to be tired, but I'm going to pour myself Ugh. a nice strong glass of Balconies at 9.30 p.m. And I'm going to sit back and I'm going to fall asleep watching Vanderbilt at Hawaii. Yeah, the game's going to put you to sleep. Won't even, you won't even take the tire. You could be wide awake, fresh off of a Red Bull. You're still done. Now, I, think- I will say to the Northwestern Nebraska game, I saw one of the funniest comments I've ever seen on Reddit about this game because somebody said that it was going to be 11 to 9. And yeah. a Northwestern fan piped up and said, uh, that's not going to be the case because there's no way their defense could hold anybody to 11, nor their offense have the ability to score nine. So. <laughs> but it's in Ireland, so it's going to be one of those weird things where it'll be at night while it's daytime here. Yeah. yeah Matt, I mean, what about you? What's the thing? Like, what are you, are you going to be up? Are you, I know you will be. You're going to be just yeah. you're going to be glued to your couch. Your kids well, are going to be, be able to get you. It'll be on all day. I don't know about glued, but it'll be like background for sure uh i think looking at the schedule something that piqued my interest was uh the charlotte and florida atlantic for some reason that kind of stands mm. out to me yeah I, I could see florida a&m at north carolina being one of those games where you're you're watching the north texas utep game which i i hope we can watch that i don't actually see a tv network with that one but you're it's watching on like stadium tv or something like that oh god so you're watching nevada new mexico state and you get an ESPN update that pops up that's like Florida AM up by three in the third quarter against North Carolina. That's what I could see happening. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I'm of course on lsufootball.net, which is the greatest website ever. Um, all times are in Central Time, which is God's time zone. And yeah, so the North Texas YouTube game is on stadium video, which is something that exists. <laughs> it's stadium i i hope what that is is that you have to pay them a fee to get the in-game stadium feed i think stadium is a website uh or some type of media company uh i think it's on like over the air broadcast i don't i'm not sure but uh they do have a website because I, I clicked on the link today from lsufootball.net and it does take you to a stadium website where they do have videos. So there's that. Yeah, interesting enough. We, we, we'll see next Saturday. But, yeah, like Drake, that's the game that I think is going to be a really good game, even though most people probably will not be able to watch it. Yeah. It, it's, it, that's what piqued my interest the most. Aside from that, um, outside of the Power 5 games, I thought like Charlotte, Florida, Atlantic probably – I think, which I mean, we I want to see what Florida Atlantic does. I think they have a new head coach, and then Charlotte, you know, they kind of built up a pretty decent program there. So, excellent. Well, 
Matt, any questions besides that for Drake? No, Drake, thank you for coming on. You have been peak Drake, and we certainly do appreciate it. It has been a pleasure. Uh, peak Drake is probably the best compliment I've ever received. And it's probably, it's, it shouldn't be one. It really shouldn't. <laughs> I am um, one of these days going to stop drinking caffeine and you will never hear from me again. Go, uh, go outside your door yeah. and tell all your, tell all the, all your roommates that, that you were just peak Drake. I will, I will absolutely tell them that. And they will have no idea what's going on. Um, you, it's you're from Arkansas, correct? You what couldn't tell. You could tell that was, yeah. Uh, I'm from the small town of Volonia, Arkansas, population one, uh, just me. I was a hell of a mayor, though. Really good. I elected myself. Uh, and then Volonia is nearest to Conway, which is kind of close to Little Rock. Okay. Um, oh, that you I'm know, it's a small from, town if you yeah. have to, if you have to close to, if you have to do close to twice. Yeah. Yeah. So I am. My family on my mom says also from Arkansas. It's from Clarksville, Arkansas. Yeah, they are. Home of the Clarksville Panthers. Dang so, straight. So yes, yeah, so uh, we that's how uh that's how we get down. So there's Just that. Outside of Russellville, the interstate. I love it. I wouldn't know. Yeah, Joe, Drake, you wouldn't know. Drake, plug plug your stuff. You've got plug your life. Plug plug uh, it all. Where can the uh, people find you? Where can they find your content? Where can they interact? You guys come to Waco Tours. Come watch me give a tour at Waco Tours. You'll be, you'll love it. You'll go nuts. Uh, you can go to Locked On Baylor on YouTube, wherever you find your podcast, daily podcast. Uh, also, you can check out the one we did with Joe last week. I'm sure we'll do one with Matt here pretty soon. Also, um, Inside the Bears, doing some writing for Inside the Bears and the crew over there. Um, China Spring Football every Friday night. And then I DoorDash sometimes. So, DoorDash food. Play that game. Play a little roulette with your with your DoorDash and see if it's me. <laughs> Matt will soon. He's moving back to Waco. Yeah. Hey. I'm moving back to Waco. So is everybody like else. Two weeks. So yeah. <laughs> Luckily, there's like a billion new housing developments all in and around town. So finding Man, a house, it, not hard. Finding a cheap house, hard. As all the old people told me when I was there, and I will tell you now, it's you guys just have it so much better than back in my day. Hey, the Grease Pit. They've added 28 new restaurants since 2012. True fact. Jesus. Well, Drake, you have class tomorrow, and it is 10.30 p.m., so that means you've only got, what, three hours before you're going to start getting tired and have to wake up. So, (sighs) Yeah, really got to wind down. I'm going to be in bed by 3 or 4 and asleep by 5, so I should probably start now. See you guys. Luckily, you can sleep in that shirt and just get up and go to class, though. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. See what they think. So, well, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. I would love to do it at any point in time again. Excellent. Thank Thank you so much, Drake. All right, Joe. All right. Let's take it. And just so you guys know, the 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 only reason that we cut Drake off there and did not continue with him is because we're about to talk Game of Thrones. And we asked Drake, and he, he doesn't watch it. So he's a, he, I mean, I love Drake, but he is a child. So it's not appropriate for him to talk about Game of Thrones. So <laughs> I was thinking about this. I was like, when the Game of Thrones. We needed a parental original, consent form. When it premiered, I want to say he was 14 years old, if that. I was still at Baylor when Game of Thrones came out. Yeah, I mean, it was like, what, like 11 years ago. Like 2011, it premiered. The original so, Game of Thrones. First, the first time I ever watched it, I was in my apartment in Waco. So, so, yeah. 
but we got some last semester there so this is a special like i guess we would call it an instant reaction we just both watched it about an hour and a half ago or something like that we finished it up anyway this is a little uh hot d instant reaction what'd you think uh i liked it and it was really uh it's like a to me, it was like it got back to like the root of Game of Thrones. I really liked the setup of all the houses. You know, they kind of set the stage like here's where everybody's at. Because you're going back, they kind of they let you know like, hey, this is 172 years before Daenerys was born. So before we even the history of the story we were familiar with started, this is 172 years before that. So. Yeah, I'd like to kind of set everybody up and where they are in the roles. Uh, production value, I thought, was very good. And some things I've read is like there's been like 20 mil an ep on this an episode. Yeah, they, so they spent like, about that much once they got to. Yeah. So we're starting six, off seven, at eight. like the peak Game of Thrones, really. Like when it's at the height of its popularity, they're spending that much. This is our starting point as far as production goes. And that, I think you could tell. I thought the dragons looked good, what we saw. Um, CGI looked good, maybe even better maybe than some of the early CGI with uh, Game of Thrones, which makes sense. But overall, it I've heard some people say, like, there's no hook. I kind of got hooked in. I, I wanted to see, especially, I will say, I think the the winner or the breakout i won't say breakout but the person or actor who i'm most excited to watch is matt smith playing damon targaryen he absolutely killed it from like one minute in on screen i was like yeah i'm I'm in this because i want to follow this character the acting as a whole was stellar yes great great act this this is going to be though and i can already i can tell this is going to be a more I don't I don't, I can't think of the word but almost sadistic compared to you know the Jon Snow saga that yeah. we watched for 8 seasons. Yeah, so this not, is going to be a more intense. There's also not going to be a Jon Snow character. You're not going to have the overwhelmingly this is the good guy of our story i think everyone it's like a cast full of like jamie lannisters they're all gray right there was one person that i was thinking was being set up to be that good guy and then he uh, and just so you guys know, full spoiler alert full for the first episode, for episode of house one. of the dragon sorry we didn't say that at the beginning i don't think we spoiled anything yet but full spoilers there was one guy i was expecting to be the good guy and then he did something absolutely awful but this was I'm not going to lie to you. Thinking back to the very first episode, season one, episode one of Game of Thrones, it's slow. Yeah. Not a whole lot happens. We see a person get beheaded for um, crimes against Winterfell or whatever. I think it was deserting the Night's Watch or something. Yeah, Yeah. it was a general crime. Um, But there's a lesson to be learned in that scene it's ned stark telling his son that if you were going to sentence a man to death you should be the one to swing the sword so there's there's these there's these like heart-to-heart moments that occur even in the the hard parts of that episode this one there was just from my own 
personal life experiences. There was a scene that I don't know if I've ever felt more uncomfortable watching TV. And I texted you and said, Jesus, this episode, when it happened. And that was the essentially improvised medieval version of a C-section that happens. Yeah, that, so little uh, backstory. So my daughter had come in right before that to, she needed help with something. So I paused it and I went to do whatever I had to do. I came back to it. So I will say this. I did fast forward through that scene because I didn't want to watch it. My, so my son was born through a C-section. I've been in the room for one. My wife experienced it. And we were watching the episode together. And my my wife asked me to fast forward it. But we were sitting in our our media chairs, which are recliners, and they have this very you have push a button. It's like when you go to the movies, yeah. And it takes forever for for the seat to rec- to decline. And my dog had just knocked the remote across the room, so she's like, "Please fast forward," and I'm like hitting the button. So it added a little bit of uh, humor, I guess, to the moment. But it was. It was very rough to watch and that. Yeah. And I could understand like Game of Thrones has a history of not really being kind to their female characters. Um, and so I could understand any critique of this show would be, you know, they're kind of fall into that same trap of we're going to show women in horrible situations. Uh, but I do also think it is part of the source material at the same time. This did in the Fire and Blood Targaryen history, this character did have this circumstance. Yeah, it's it's messed it, up. It is but it's graphic though. Yeah. So okay, so we've gotten the uncomfortable part. Give give me you know for the people give give me like what was your big takeaway from what happened in this episode? So just the the quick synopsis here is we've got a uh, a king who does not have an heir, and his grandson is then made the heir. Yeah, who is Viserys Targaryen? He takes the throne has a daughter but does not have a son and he has a younger brother who is brash um violent and many in the in the court of the king do not think he's fit uh but his wife is pregnant unfortunately uh though the white wife does give birth to a baby boy both the the mother and child die as we mentioned through this improvised c-section um which leads us to the king needing to choose who his heir will be should he inevitably die, which there's plenty of foreshadowing in the episode that's coming sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, and because of some choices that his brother makes that are both brash, violent, and just straight up rude, um, he chooses that for the first time in Westeros's history, since the Targaryens have taken over, that he will name his daughter to be queen in succession of him. Um, so that's just like the quick overall synopsis. We get all of that in the first episode that we're finding out the, the struggle that's going to exist here is again, the struggle for the iron throne yet this time it does not appear that it'll be amongst family uh, amongst different families, but internally as they do mention in the show, Matt, the only thing that can kill the Targaryen family is the family itself. So 
what was your big takeaway from episode one? Uh, this is, and I've heard so other people say this, so I'm just going to repeat it. I think this is going to be more like succession with dragons. You know, it's going to be a internal family conflict for power. Interesting. I've watched a few episodes of succession. I could not get into it because I hate everyone in the show. Just there's, there is. Yeah. And I think in time, there's not going to be good characters in this story either. I'm sticking to that, that his daughter, um, and is it, what's her, uh, what's her name? Rainies park. Rainies, Rainies, I think. Rainies. Yes. It starts with an R. I know that. Yeah. She has not given me reason to think that she is awful yet. Yeah. And the, um, I don't know what his title is, but the husband of the King's, sister or nephew or something oh. the the person that the ki- the current king was named heir over um, yes. who was a woman so that her husband corliss I think, valerion yes he, i think uh, master of ships master of ships okay i don't i i think he might be some have some redeeming value in the show as well um and the one character that i did mention where i said there was one that i thought was going to be the good guy the hand of the king. Um, oh, yeah. I, I was, he seemed like he was like the level headed looking for good causes, making smart decisions, being out ahead of things and, and not letting emotions get in the way of what you do. I thought he was going to kind of be our Ned Stark character, but immediately after the tragedy happens to the king in this episode, he sends his, by all accounts, underage daughter to go sleep with the king. <laughs> Yeah, so just circling back, the his daughter's name is Rhaenyra Targaryen. Rhaenyra, okay. The Otto Hightower is the hand of the king who is did send his daughter to the chamber of the king, um, and so yeah, so I think there's not going to be. I don't, I I will say this like I have read the Fire and Blood, so I kind of know the characters um yeah there's no good like purely like altruistic good characters in this this particular story and it is leading up to a civil war and i think there's a there's a quote from the the trailers just like the seeds of war are 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 planted or something like that in in times of peace and i think that's what you're seeing yeah they do mention that this was the that we are in the midst of the longest time of peace that we have seen since the Targaryens have taken over something like 60 years. Um so yeah I mean we're of course building up to massive conflict as what we're going to see is a fight for the throne. We have been given glimpses that sitting on the iron throne itself is causing health issues for the king. He's got yeah. sores that won't heal. Um, and we see him cut his hand, and I'm I'm assuming that we're going. He's being poisoned by by the metals that are in this thing, and just being constantly cut by sharp swords. Now, the Iron Throne is much much larger and more pronounced than it is in the um, Game of Thrones series as we've known it before. So I, I guess we're led to believe that it's been altered throughout the years. But I yeah. think we're going to see this king, King Viserys die sooner rather than later and that will be the birth of this civil war between his daughter and his brother and who will be the rightful king of of westeros now 
You say you've read Fire and Blood, so I have a question for you. Is there spoilers in that for what happens here? Because I have gone to the Ice and Fire wiki. Yeah. And I went through like the succession of kings. I started with Aegon Targaryen and from you know Danny's dad. Yeah. And I worked my way back. And when I got to a certain point, I could not go any further back. And if I go to Viserys's page on there, I cannot see his successor. So it looks like they've kept everything close to the vest to where you don't see actually who wins this thing. Well, Fire and Blood is is written like a textbook. So it's not a narrative. Mm. So you have it's the way it's written is written from a perspective of a certain maester who is telling stories. This is and, and it's set like this is written 200 years after these events, right? So you have different uh, perspectives and they're repeating this, what they heard. Like this person said this happened. However, like it may be an eyewitness account. However, the, the jester who was also there said this happened. So you have also have contradicting uh, tellings of the same event mm. that aren't, they don't coincide. And the, the creator Ron, or one of the showrunners, I guess I should say, um, said that this was he. This particular show was like going to be the definitive happenings of what happened during this time. So even if, like I said, like I've I've read Fire and Blood, some things are going to be thrown out because the way they're telling this, the the story they wrote is the definitive history of the Targaryens. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. I, I do like that they have found kind of a period where the answers are not all the way there. Cause I, 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 we talk about this all the time. You and I go chasing spoilers and that's what I was, I was yeah. doing. I was like, okay, like, has there been a queen before? Is it, is it Rhaenyra or is it going to be, um, or is it going to be Daemon Targaryen who ends up taking over here? Um, now. Well, there's the a most book called tr- The Rogue Prince, which is kind of like a short story he wrote about mm-hmm. like the life of like, like Daemon Targaryen. It is incorporated into the uh, the Fire and Blood as a chapter. It's actually a very short story, but he's called the Rogue Prince. So, gotcha. Look okay. For now, I think maybe the most intriguing thing of the episode was the way that it ended, which it ends with um, Viserys telling his daughter that he is naming her as his heir, um, but telling her that a like here's the things that you need to know to be a good leader like these are kind of the philosophical things and b there's a secret that the targaryens hold that is passed on from heir to heir which is essentially that the night king is coming that there's going to be a long a, a long winter and that all of humanity is going to have to rise together and it has to be done behind a strong targaryen leader and without that, they will not be able to defeat the long night that is coming. Um, and this was a dream that was had by um, what Aegon the First, I want to say, the the yeah. one that brought them over into Westeros um, from Valeria after the doom happened there. So we get this glimpse of there was this knowledge within the Targaryens that they knew this kind of supernatural event was happening. And I, that gets lost through time. Because Daenerys isn't aware of that. Um, it yeah. gets lost through this this way of telling it from king to king as the Targaryens lose their hold on things. Um, but that was extremely interesting. But the most interesting thing to me, Matt, did you see 
what Viserys Targaryen was gripping while he was telling his daughter the story of the impending doom of Westeros. Uh, no. Oh, was it the when he was uh, gripping the was it the Iron Throne when he that scene where he or was it something else? No. While he is talking to his daughter in front of the skull of the dragon, and he's directly talking about what is coming. He is gripping tightly a dagger. Oh yeah, yeah. That the, is the in his belt. Dagger. The cat's ball dagger, which is the Valerian steel dagger that appears many times throughout Game of Thrones as we know yeah. it in the original eight seasons. It is used by Caitlin Stark. It is used by Littlefinger, but it is most notably used at the very end by Arya Stark to kill the Night King. Also, it's the dagger that the assassin used to kill Bran or tried to yes. kill Bran. To try to kill Bran. That's where it officially come, first comes yeah. from. And it was in Littlefinger's possession before that. Yes. Um, what I noticed was when he's telling the story, you know, it cuts back to the different lords swearing fealty to uh, Rhaenyra as the, mm-hmm. as the heir. Whenever he's telling the story about the, the you know, danger from the north, that cuts to back to that. And the, the lord that's swearing his loyalty to Rhaenyra was the Stark. Edard Stark. Yeah. So it, it kind of like all he's telling about this winter is coming type of like premonition. You, you're reading to like the the house Stark of Winterfell is who is swearing their allegiance to Rhaenyra Targaryen. I went and looked up this dagger at the at the end of the, the episode before I came down here and to record. And it's just in, in the Song of Ice and Fire Wiki. It's just called the Valerian Steel Dagger. It yeah. doesn't have a special name. And it wasn't i don't think that this was this wasn't ever in part of the books that this is where it comes from because there's a new entry now in the wiki where it says okay now it's appeared here but when you read all the stuff that was originally written about it it was just like hey it was used an assassination tip turned out that Littlefinger owned it then caitlin had it then it went to this person and eventually landed in Arya's hands and she used it to kill the night king it was this besides the fact that it was valerian steel there was nothing overtly important about it but now i think we're going to find out that it is a very very important item yeah and they kind of if you if you pay close attention to like game of thrones they kind of there's a one section in the later seasons where sam's kind of trying to research things about killing white walkers i'm sure or something of that nature and there's a page he flips to and it's a whole entry about this dagger and then he mm-hmm. kind of just flips to the next screen you know, so it's like a, a quick shot and I'm, I'm there are people who did screenshots and zoomed in to try to read what was said and people who much more nerdier than me who like could uh transcribe and translate valerian and stuff like that but so yes i think this dagger is very important to the overall lore of uh, the a song glass and fire yeah and i'm thinking that we're gonna see valerian steel played a big role at the end of game of thrones it was just kind of like this valuable thing at the beginning of the original game of thrones series and i think what we'll do moving forward we'll just call the old stuff game of thrones and this is house of the dragon um hot d eight <laughs> hot d um but we've we we've heard many references in just this singular episode about Valerian Steel. Yeah. We've heard it talked about the um the sword that uh Damon Targaryen wields. Mm-hmm. He gives uh he gives his uh what I guess his niece uh a Valerian steel necklace and basically says, Now you own a piece of our history as well, mentioning because he has the sword, now she has this. We see the Valerian steel dagger. Um, we hear the of the house of Valeria. 
Um, I think there's going to be some really intriguing stuff that happens with Valerian Steel in this. Yeah, so Damon Targaryen's wields Dark Sister, which is the same sword that Nymeria Targaryen wielded over the conquest. He's one of the sisters of Aegon Targaryen. So it's like this is a a very important like Targaryen Valerian Steel sword. Wasn't one of the Stark wolves named Nymeria? Yes. Arya's wolf was named Nymeria. After her. Interesting. Yes. So it's um I liked it. I thought it was a great entry into this time in a universe that we're familiar with. It's going to be it's it's gonna be so much more hardcore than Game of Thrones season one. Yeah, and the, the show creators or showrunners, they've said there's in the show. I guess what they have written up so far, their like outline of it, there's going to be 17 dragons in season one. You're going to, we're going to have nine. So that's a complaint that I did have is that just give the dragons easier names. I don't care what their names are in the book either. Like, I don't want to hear that. They're just being true to the source. Just name one of the dragons, Bill. <laughs> Cause yes. it was like, Ostimentius. there are some, there are some, like there's some in the, in the, in the material, the source material, you do have some dragons that are like Sunfire is their name. But you also have Beleriand and Rhaegal and Well, like Rhaegal's fine. There was like one that was like Maraxes. <laughs> yeah, like that those kind of like I don't need it to sound like uh Roman royalty, you know, being announced before the gladiatorial games. I want to say Damon's oh, what's his dragon's name? His dragon is also like deformed, like has like super long neck. Now, I don't know if you, you kind of tell whenever he was getting on top of his dragon, but it's going to be, it's not going to be like Game of Thrones where like they're all those three dragons look the same. You're going to have dragons that look different from each other. Right. And they, they, they allude to the different colors that they have. Yeah. And these are big because we heard, we heard in, in the Game of Thrones series that. As time went on from this point, I'm guessing post-Civil War, like after the strife that happens here is when we're going to start to see things get kind of crappy, where the dragons started getting smaller and smaller because they're locked up, they're not free, they're not riding them, they're not doing all this stuff. But these are still like what seem to be very large, very full-grown dragons. So yeah, Damon's dragons, Caraxes. Yeah, I'm not going to remember that. (laughs) But... Any other takes from uh, House of the Dragon? And I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to like shake me as hard as they shook me in this episode with something weird going on. Um, it was totally Game of Thrones. There's enough nudity and brothel scenes to. Yeah, in episode one, we get, we get an improvised medical procedure, the death of a baby. Um, a we lot get, of dismemberment from uh, yeah, uh, a guy's uh, you know again uh, turn it turn it off if if you got kids listening, but a guy's testicles being cut off with a dagger. Um, as you mentioned, lots of dismembering. A guy getting his face crushed in. I mean, by he was an a axe. rapist. He was a rapist. So allegedly, I mean, they just did kind of walk into town and start pointing at people and yelling crimes. <laughs> I did. It wasn't the most due process that we've seen. Well, true, but anyway. um, but yeah, it was a it was a hardcore first episode of it was. 
it was it, it kind of was like here we're back yeah, in it here's yeah, you're back your, here you're back in it but also like you're talking about some of the best things i liked about game of thrones was the palace intrigue type of like backstabbing and plotting and i think you're gonna get a lot of that in, in this but they also are gonna remind you like we're still this is still game of thrones it's still hbo yeah there's still hbo so you're still gonna get plenty of nudity as is once said like dragons or game of thrones is just like like tits and dragons plenty of that gonna be going on so i think but yeah i, I liked it and it, it you know i know you were maybe a little bit more apprehensive than me going back into this uh world but i was like i'm fully back in like i tweeted out i mean i was diving like, in ready to be first. hurt again it was just like, like i know I'm, i was like it's it's likely that i i hit my head on the bottom here but of course i'm gonna dive in yeah i'm all in so like and i read a or i didn't it was a youtube review they said like give it if you're not all in if you're listening to this and you're not all in or you're kind of wading back in they said to give it through six episodes because it's six and like it, it turns up i guess because like they all the critic screeners they got the first six episodes how many episodes are in this season i think it's 10 like the the, the classic game of thrones 10 okay and it's not a mini series right this is going to be a no, this series is, yeah this is a series series yeah okay. they have a lot of stuff in the works like i want to say i heard a rumor like they're trying to do like a some type of like anime animated game of thrones content so i don't know the witcher did that on netflix so it wouldn't surprise me and then there's a a rumor of some type of like john snow like sequel after the i have game seen of thrones that, proper yes, that there's that, that, that like they're a, in yeah that kid harrington i believe is actually signed on already like he's in on yeah yeah so yeah. i mean that will maybe interesting especially for people who are john snow fans big on that so i think that may be a little interesting to see like more of your classic like north of the wall wildlings white walker stuff all right matt we are we're at the two hour way long way long i might save listening to my beautiful own voice uh you know i do listen to my own podcast just to keep myself i don't listen Uh, to this garbage no okay i do i listen to this podcast just because a i i every time i i can hear my voice coming through spotify is just wow i can't believe that's happening and B, uh, I like to hear how bad I am to try to improve maybe a little yeah. bit. Yeah, see, that's my thing. Like, I hear my voice and I'm like, listen to this asshole. Turn this I, off. Quick, hurry. I, <laughs> I I adore the sound of my voice. Um, <laughs> I, I'm one of those people. I'm the other no, side. But I, I'll I'm probably like, save this uh, one for my drive to Waco for the Albany game. Because we're at two hours now. Yeah, so let's let's wrap this up right at two hours. Uh, where can people find you, Joe? You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. You can also check out um, ourdailybears.com. I have content coming up there. I will have some stuff popping up there this week. I've actually written a very, very, very long, cool, very cool uh, article um, that I will put up this week. I just need to uh, do my due diligence and add a couple of things that our wonderful editor extraordinaire, Matt Bear, asked me to do, and I've just been too lazy to do it. But that'll come up this week. Um, and then I've got another story that I've been writing, or not really story, a, a cool little funny thing um, that I've been writing with uh, Mike Thinks Aloud on Twitter, if any of you guys follow him, um, that I think we'll try to get up this week as well. You so should check follow out, him. 
you should follow yeah. Mike, especially if you're interested in anything barbecue related. He's barbecue, great for that. Barbecue or whiskey, as yes. you may find out in our yes. article. Yes. Um, but and yes. Matt is Bear apparently um, hates old people. We've found out today on Twitter. So, <laughs> so take that for what you will. Uh, you can gotcha. find me at un- Matt underscore Workman. And I'm normally just talking about Baylor, retweeting things about Baylor. Sometimes you'll get other content, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, you know, the basic uh, Baird in, you know, making fun of your teenage daughters. Oh, yeah. It gets, it's good. Let me tell you, you have a son, so it's going to be probably way different. However, having a a preteen and a teenager in my house is, it's a, it's an experience. Let me put it that way. <laughs> well, Matt, luckily, after this work week is done, real football is here. We have real football this week and then only one week until we have all of going on. Yes. Okay. So until next time, Joe, as always, sick and bears. Sick and bears, Matt. Sports Social Podcast Network.